Everybody today? Good, you can hear me all right? Good. Well, we're, uh, we're, how many watching the Jets game this afternoon? How many refuse? How many are protesting? You can't play that badly and expect us to watch every game. Anyway, we're, we're, uh, we're going we're gonna to be hoping and praying, right? We're going to see if, we, if our prayers here in Winnipeg work better than the prayers in Las Vegas. <laughs> we'll see about that. Sin City, I don't know, guys. If they win, that uh, says a lot about us. Anyway, we're, uh, we're continuing our series on the family, family wisdom. It's a study in Proverbs. And uh, some of you know that it was King Solomon called the wisest and the richest man that ever lived. He is the one that wrote the book of Proverbs, or at least most of them. And uh, there's some 3,000 Proverbs that he wrote. Uh, he, he addressed just about every issue you can imagine. I was uh, going through the Proverbs, and I thought, you know what? There's lots here about the family and how, and how to raise the family and how to be great husbands, great wives, great grandparents, everything. It's, it's all there in, in Proverbs. So today what we're doing is we're talking about children, and we're, we're asking God just to teach us, uh, first of all, how to raise our kids, and secondly, how kids should respond to us. But you know, when you, uh, when you look at that picture there, that little cherub, that sweet little darling, you just wonder how on earth could that kid grow up to cause problems. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as, as, a, as a father of three kids, I, I, I wouldn't say my, my view is jaded, but I would say it, I, I got realistic understanding of what kids are really all about. They're so sweet, they're so adorable when they're little, but they do grow up. And you know what happens when they grow up. So you just can't imagine that this little one is going to uh, cause any kind of heartache from her, for her parents. But the fact of the matter is, is that all kids do. And we need to be clear about this. Uh, I want to show you this picture. In case you don't know what that is, that's, that's uh, money ripped up. And I saw a tweet. And in, in the tweet, someone had this picture with a little, little brief description as to what this was. And, and the tweeter asked this question, um, what would you do if your child ripped up his allowance, left a pile on the stairs like that? I, know, like, I don't know if you can see it very well from that picture, but I'm going to tell you that there's a lot of money there. Uh, there's there's got to be at least 25, 30, maybe 40, 45, 50 bucks. There's a lot of ripped up money there. And if you, can, if you do the exchange in Canadian dollars, that's quite a bit. <laughs> so we got, we got a lot of money ripped up here. The, the tweeter asked the question, if you were this, this child's parent, what would you do? And some of you are thinking, oh boy. Okay, is, is, that, is that the right answer? Well, we'll see in just a moment. But that is a good question. What would you do? And you know that this is just one of many, many problems. And, and many of the problems that we face as parents are actually, it's actually quite, quite a bit more severe than this. But what do you do? How do you respond to that? Well, this is why we turn to the Proverbs, because the Proverbs gives us wisdom. It gives us instructions. It shows us how to function. It shows us what to do in this life. Um, in case you don't know what a proverb is, let me just quickly remind you. A proverb is a short, concise saying stating a general truth or a piece of advice. And by the way, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs, and you can read through a chapter every day. It's very easy reading, uh, very inspirational, very exciting. 
full of great sayings and great guidance and teaching. I've been trying to read the, through the Proverbs for probably 30 years, just asking God to, to teach me, to show me how to be a, a great Christian, a great man of God. And reading through Proverbs does just that. It gives us wisdom. Now, King Solomon says in one of his Proverbs that, well, let me just show you what he says. Children are a blessing and a gift from the Lord. Now, some of you are reading Psalm 127.3, and you're thinking, well, hold on a minute. Didn't, didn't Solomon's dad write that? No, in this case, Psalm 127 is, in fact, written by King Solomon, and he says children are a blessing and a gift from God. Now, like all gifts from God, we are to be stewards. We are to take care of. We are to, to, to nurture and care for and, and, and use that gift for the glory of God. Well, we'll talk in just a moment uh, about stewardship and, and what that actually means. But understand this. If you're a parent today, your children have been given to you as a sacred trust. Let me say that again. Your children have been given to you as a sacred trust. You, you cannot be lazy as parents. You, you've got to be, you've got to be careful that you are doing everything that God wants you to do as a parent. Because here's the thing. Someday, you will stand before God and you will have to give an account. You will have to give an account to God for what you did with the gift called your child. Now, God has given us many gifts. Every, as Christians, we understand that the money that we have, that we understand that the, the talents that we have, the skills that we have, the money that we have, the ability to make money, all of, this are, all of these things are gifts from God, and all of these things are to be used for the glory of God, and we are to steward these things for God's glory. God's entrusted them to us so that we could bless his name and honor him. So ultimately, what we want to do with the gift that God has given us is we want to teach our children how to love God and how to love others. We want to teach our kids that the most important thing in life is, in fact, our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. This, my friends, is the most important thing of all. So, where do we go from here? Well, let's talk for a moment about a parent's duty. What is a parent supposed to be doing? Well, let me just say this, because when you, when you read this, um, maybe you have some preconceived ideas. The fact is, is that just about anybody can become a parent. It's very easy, and I think I don't need to go into sex education session right now. I think we, we understand how this works. Anybody can become a parent. But being a parent is quite a different thing. Being the man or the woman that God has called you to be is quite a different thing. And so this is what we understand. We understand that those of us who are following Jesus Christ, those of us who want to obey God, those of us who wants to, want to please God, uh, then we've got a high, high duty, a high responsibility, and we need to take it seriously. So let's take a moment just to look at the word steward. A steward is a person who looks after the passengers on a ship, an aircraft, or a train, and brings them meals. Does that sound like parenting to you? It sounds like parenting to me. 
In fact, for some of you, you feel like all your, your whole life has just been about making meals for your kids, for breakfast, for lunch, for supper. When Gloria and I went to the Epcot Center, one of the very first rides that you, that you encounter is called space, uh, Spaceship Earth. And uh, we got on this spaceship, and of course, it t- what it does is it takes you through, through, the, through the centuries and sh- follows uh, human development and human behavior. But I thought to myself, you know, that really describes what, what, what life on this planet is. All of us are, are in this, on this aircraft, this spaceship called Earth. And we are on it, on this journey for a short time, and then it's over. And then someday we stand before God. The question is this, is what's going to happen to those passengers called your children? Look at the next, the next part of this definition of steward. It's to manage or to look after another's property. So you call them your children. This is my son. This is my daughter. But in fact, it's not really your son and daughter. It's, it, that, that's God's child. And God has entrusted that child to you, parents, to take care of them. Now, some of you are thinking, hey, my kids are older now. This, this sermon doesn't apply to me. Hey, I'm going to tell you something right now. My mother was in the first service. My dad's in the second service. And they're still my parents, and they still tell me what to do. They still are instructing me. They're still guiding me. They're still, not as much as they used to, <laughs> but they're still there trying to give good advice because they understand that their job as parents never ends. As long as your kids are alive, you're going to be parenting them. As long as, as long as you are a parent, as long as you've got grandchildren, your job never ends. Our job is to instruct and to direct and to care for and to manage God's property. And, and that's what our kids are, God's property. Your kids belong to God. And your job is to do a good job taking care of them. Now, I want you to see this passage of scripture from Proverbs. The book of Proverbs actually begins like this. We recognize that the, that the, that the book of Proverbs is actually written as instructions to, to guide and inform and to help the next generation. So he says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction." What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. So here's what you need to do. You need to never apologize for instructing and guiding your kids. Tell them, it's my job. Next time your kids say, I don't want to hear from you. Don't don't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? Say, well, I'm your parent, and God's given me a job to do. I don't really care whether you like it or not, because I'm doing my job. So parents, I'm giving you permission right now to be parents, to continue to instruct and guide your kids. I don't care how old they are. If you're a grandparent, you think my work is done, I raised my kids, it's all over. No, it's not. Not according to scripture. In a few weeks, you're going to be hearing about a grandparent's responsibility. I'm just giving you a bit of a taste of what's to come. As parents and as grandparents, we continue to raise our kids. We continue to pour into their lives. We continue to direct them, to point them to Jesus. That's our job. My child, listen, when your father corrects you, don't neglect your mother's instruction. What you learn from them will crown you with grace. Let me just look at that word grace for a moment. That word grace means charm. 
in this, in this context. It means charm, it means elegance, it means refinement, it means to be polished, beautiful, having style, it means to be poised, to have social grace. In other words, it means to fit in. It means that you're fitting into this life. One of the things I appreciated so much about my dad, he'd say to me, you're not going out looking like that, are you? And if my dad wasn't around to do it, then my older brother was there. You can't wear that. Or Alan, take a shower. You need, to, you need to have a shower. You need to wash. Wash your hair, it's greasy. Wash your face. You got zits. What's going on here? Well, you're instructing me, correcting me. Why? So that I fit in. So that I'm not one of the, I'm not the freak in the crowd. So that I know how to relate to and connect to others in my age group. Hey, what's what is the thing that most kids suffer with? Rejection, not fitting in, feeling like they don't belong, feeling like they're an outsider, feeling that somehow, some way, you know, they just uh, they're just a geek that doesn't belong. Parents, look at our job as parents is to instruct our kids, to direct our kids, to correct them so that they have a, a moderately decent life, connecting with their friends, connecting with friends, having friends, knowing how to have friends, knowing how to be friendly, how to be polite, learning what it means to listen, learning what it means to not interrupt, learning how to interact with other kids and with adults, learning what it means to act normal and respectful. And that's a problem now with most kids today. They don't know how to fit in. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to, how to, how to have poise and how to have style. They have no social graces. They're rude. They interrupt. They don't pay attention. They don't listen. Our job as parents is to teach kids how to function in society. It's critical. It's really critical, parents, that you do your job in teaching your kids. And it's important that your kids understand that they need to listen to you, that maybe you know more than they think you know. I thank God for my parents that taught me how to be respectful, how to be normal, or maybe a better way to put it is how to be healthy. I found so many people now my age and younger especially, is that they're so unhealthy, so abnormal. They don't know how to connect. They don't know how to have relationships. They don't know how to fit into society. I heard one, one lady who's probably about 75, she said that we had my, all my family over for, for Thanksgiving, and I, I had a big bucket, and I said, put your phones in the bucket. And the kids howled and screamed and they were upset and we can't be without my phone because how will I know what's happening on Facebook and what if there's a tweet that comes in and what if, what if Instagram's and, and oh my goodness, how are we ever going to function for an hour without our phones? And she said, you don't put your phone in here, you're not having any food. So the kids are like, food, phone. <laughs> Eventually, she talked the kids into dropping the phone into the bucket. And then she said what happened was really quite amazing. That suddenly the kids who she hadn't talked to for months because they've been like this are suddenly talking and asking questions and discovering things about grandma that they never knew before. 
This is our job, parents, grandparents. It's to teach the next generation so that what we teach them will crown them with grace, with social graces. We'll teach them what it means to be healthy and how to interact and how to relate to others in our culture and society. Hey, has there ever been a time when we've needed it more? We're in trouble. We have a next generation that that they, they just don't know how to act. They don't know how to interact. They don't know how to treat others. They're rude, unprincipled. And that's the second word there. What you will learn from them will crown them with grace and will be a chain of honor around their neck. When we look at that word honor, what do we mean? We're talking about being principled, having good character, being polite, being friendly, not having a bad attitude, not having a stinking attitude. Being a person of decency and integrity, never lying, never, never swearing, never telling anybody off, being polite and friendly. What, what you correct your kids with, what you instruct them with, will crown them with grace and be a chain of honor around their neck. They'll know how, how to function in this life. Hey, you know what? One of the things we want to do is we want to take a bunch of youth to Banff this summer. But one of the things that we're going to do is say, look, if, if you don't learn the graces and if you don't learn what it means to be a person of honor, then, you know, we don't really want you to come with us because we want to have fun. We want to have a good time. How can you have a good time? How can, you, how can you enjoy yourself if everybody is there looking out for number one, being self-centered, being rude? Of course, you know that there is no happiness in that. Parents, this is your responsibility to teach and to correct your children so that they understand what it is to have healthy relationships, what it means to be a success in life. Can I just remind everybody of something? To be a success in life doesn't mean that you make it to the top in American Idol, that you win the pageant. That's not success. That's, that's temporal success. For the Christian, we're looking for what we call a success that affects us eternally. Success is having a great relationship with God, a great relationship with your parents, a great relationship with your siblings, with your friends, with all the people in your life. That's what success is. Yesterday, I don't know if anybody caught American Idol. We didn't watch any of it this year, but we did, for some reason, we're exhausted from watching the royal wedding. So we wanted to put on something mindless. And so, I mean... The wedding was pretty mindless, but <laughs> we went on to American Idol, and we just sat there watching that. And it was a Mother's Day celebration. And so what they did is they had different mothers that were interviewed that said a few words about their kids, and especially the contestants, and you know, some tears and poems were read and stories were read and whatever. But one of the ones that really struck out to me, and I'm not saying this to be judgmental or condemning, but Katy Perry, some of you know her, it's one of the judges on American Idol. She grew up in a Christian home. And her mother, when she spoke, her mother was talking about all about God's blessing in her hand upon her daughter. This is the girl that, that sang, I kissed a girl and I liked it. This is a girl who publicly has rejected God, but not just rejected God, because, you know, I mean, if a person comes to that place, that's part of their journey, part of their wrestling. But when you get to the place where you're mocking God and you're mocking the values that you grew up with, folks, we've got a problem here. Can we really call Katy Perry a success when she has rejected the God of her youth, the God of her childhood? 
And this is what you and I need to be clear about parents, Christian parents now. We need to be clear about what it means to produce successful children, children who are a success in life. It doesn't matter how much money you earned. It doesn't matter how big your house is, how much money you got in your bank account. It doesn't matter how much fame or fortune you have. What matters is whether or not you are right with God, whether or not you've got a vibrant, rich relationship with God, and whether or not you've got a rich and vibrant relationship with the people in your life. That is success. Everything else is chaff. It's what we call temporal. It's temporary. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. It's like the grass. It dries up and dies and it's gone. Moms and dads, your job is to ter- correct your children, to instruct them, and don't give up on them. Even if they reject it, even if they get angry, even if they are yelling and screaming, shut up, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I'm not listening to you, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P. You hang in there, parents, and you do the job. That's your job. You will answer to God for that. You will stand before God, and God's going to ask you about the business of stewarding your children. Your children are a gift from God, and what you do with them is what you are going to have to answer to God for. Shaping your children's heart and their behavior is what it's all about. That's what parenting is all about. You're shaping behavior, shaping attitudes, their heart. The question is this, how do we shape our kids' hearts? How do we shape their behavior? Well, I gotta tell you, when I was a kid, I was terrified to go to the principal's office. Sometimes the intercom would come on and say, would so-and-so please come to the principal's office? And everybody in the class then would look at that kid who was called up and we think, oh no, He's going to the torture chamber. It's over. We're never going to see him again. That's how we felt. I don't know if you felt like that when you were growing up. Man, but I, and I, and thankfully, I never went to the principal's office. But I got to tell you this. If I, the, the thing that would go through my head is if I went to the principal's office and I got in trouble with the principal, that would be terrible. But what would be even worse is going home. <laughs> yeah, you know that, right? Going home and telling mom and dad. And whatever the principal did, dad would do twice as hard. Why is that? Thank God I had parents who understood that their job is to correct and instruct so that I would be crowned with grace and honor. I thank God for my parents. Excellent parents, truly excellent parents. I couldn't ask for better. Here's what happens nowadays. Parents send their kids to school, and they hope, they just hope that teachers and the principals and the social workers and the guidance counselors and the phys ed teacher, that somehow they'll be able to do something with their kids. That's hope. The problem is, is that they're teachers, they're not parents. It's the parent's job to raise their own kids. It's the parent's job to instruct and to correct. It's a parent's job to do that. But what happens now is, and I've had so many teachers tell me this, people send their kids to school, the kids do something wrong, the parent discipline, or the teacher has to discipline them, has to do something, some kind of consequence, and the next thing you know, the teacher, or the parent is on the phone calling the teacher, calling that teacher every name under the, under the heavens, And my kids would never do that because my kids are angels. How many know that every school in in 
in this city is full of angels. I don't mean hell's angels. <laughs> every, every parent thinks their kid is perfect. And that's where we went wrong. We forgot what King Solomon says in Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: a, young, a youngster's heart is filled with what? Foolishness. But physical discipline will drive it far away. King Solomon understood the human heart. He's speaking from personal experience. He knows what his own heart is capable of. And he certainly understood what it meant to be a child. This is the reality, folks, that you and I need to face. First of all, we need to face the fact that our children are not angels. Our children are sinners in need of God's grace. In fact, the Bible says that they are born as enemies of God. Did you know that? Remember that little beautiful little child I showed you at the beginning of my message? The Bible says that little, little child is born an enemy of God. What does this mean? This simply means that every man, woman, and child needs to surrender his or her life to Jesus Christ. Why? Because our hearts are filled with foolishness. Now, some of you may wonder, what does that mean, foolishness? Now, by foolishness, I don't mean, like, uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is dumb and dumber. I'm not talking about Jim Carrey here, folks, when I'm talking about foolishness. I'm not talking about someone dressed up like a clown and acting like a clown. This word foolishness, if we look to the original language, we discover that it, it actually means something that is, is criminal or something, some tragic behavior. It it's, means something that's evil or something that is, is wicked. It, it means lewd behavior, behavior that is, that's rude. And an ungodly, things that would make you blush. Every youngster's heart's filled with this. And this is sometimes a hard thing for us to get our minds around because you think to yourself, well, I'm not as bad as others, so that couldn't refer to me or my kids. But the Bible declares that there's none righteous, no, not even one. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. The Bible's clear that all of us has this capacity for evil and for foolishness. And for this reason, King Solomon says, a parent has got to discipline his or her children. This is our job. This is our responsibility. This is a thing we will answer to God for. So our job is to discipline our kids. Our job is to continue to pour into our kids, to teach right behavior, right, right habits. Most of us grew up with the, maybe you heard your parents say it or your grandparents say it, spare the rod and spoil the child. You've heard that, right? Well, that comes right out of the Proverbs too. It's Proverbs 13, 24. It says this, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Did you hear that? Now, kids think that when their parents are disciplining them that their parents actually hate them, but it's actually quite the reverse. When your parents discipline you, when you discipline your kids, that's the proof that you really, really love your kids. When you don't discipline your kids, that, the Bible says, is actually hatred. You hate your kids if you're not disciplining them, if you're not training them in the way that they should go. Now listen to this. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says that when we go through suffering, when we go through hardship, the writer of Hebrews says, don't lose hope. 
Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged when you are being disciplined by God. Why? Because the Bible says in Hebrews 12 that God disciplines those he loves. God disciplines those that he loves. So if you're going through a hard time right now, if you're experiencing some struggle in your life, if you're experiencing difficulty in your life, understand that God's dealing with you. And here's our reaction. It's just like our kids. We want to blame. It's it's his fault. It's it's my brother's fault. It's my sister's fault. It's my, my mom's fault. My dad, it's my friend's fault. We're supposed to take responsibility for our own behavior. God's dealing with us. God says, because I love you so much, I'm letting you go through this difficulty so that you'll learn from it, so that you'll grow, so that you'll become better, so that you will have the grace and the honor. The writer of Hebrews says, don't be discouraged when you're being disciplined. That's the evidence that God loves you. And the Bible says further that if God doesn't discipline you, then you don't belong to God. You're not God's child. Think about that. The evidence that God loves us, the evidence that I am his son, I'm his child, is that he disciplines me. God disciplines those he loves. And so it is with us as parents. The evidence that we love our kids is that we discipline them. You gotta teach your kids that. Stop saying this will hurt me more than it hurts you. Say, I'm doing this because I love you. And your parents, your kids are gonna go, that's so confusing. What does this mean? And this is your opportunity. Remember I said last week, you need to have a conversation with your kids. This is what my kids told Gloria and me. The thing that they love best about Gloria and me and the way that we parented our children is that we had conversations with them. We talked to our kids. We told them what's going on and why we're doing the things we're doing and why, why, we, why we disciplined them the way we did. And the fact of the matter is, is that parents, if you are not prepared to tell your kids that you have a problem with foolishness in your heart, it'd be very hard to deal with the foolishness in your kids' hearts. Why? Because your kids can smell BS a mile away. Pastor, what are you talking about? Your kids know a hypocrite when they see one. Be honest with your kid, with your kids. Tell your kids the truth. Hey, I struggled the same way you struggled. I had the same temptations that you had. And so my job as your parent is to teach you how to avoid the pitfalls of life. Because you, like, you there's so many, how many know there's lots of pitfalls in life? If you're old, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your job as a parent is to have conversations with your kids. You are gonna tell them This life is tough because of our sinful nature and we need the grace of God to help us. So you need to physically discipline your kids. Now, I'm gonna tell you, in the olden days, we really were spanked. But I don't know if that's even legal anymore. I don't know if you can do that anymore. So I'm not telling anybody today to go home and discipline your kids with a spank. I'm not gonna tell you that. But I'm gonna tell you this. There needs to be some sort of meaningful discipline where there are consequences, where something is taken away, where there is some kind of pain, some kind of suffering connected 
to the discipline so that your kids learn. If there's no, if there's no pain, if there's no suffering, then they're going to keep on doing the same thing over and over again. The only way we'll learn is if there is some kind of pain or suffering related to the breaking of the rules. That might mean taking away the Xbox. It might mean taking away their phones. It might mean doing something. I think for some kids, having their phone taken away would be much worse than having, having a spanking. In the King James Version, that Psalm 1320, Proverbs 13.24 says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it from him. In the Hebrew, the word says rod. In the, in the Hebrew, it says the club of correction. Uh, please, we're not using any clubs or rods. But you get the point. This is serious business. You have to discipline your kids. There's got to be consequences for bad behavior. Why? Because you want to crown their heads with grace and adorn their necks with honor. You want them to fit in and do well in culture and in society. You want them to have friends and you want them to enjoy their friends. You want them to be happy kids. As Christians, we understand that obedience is what God expects from us day by day until our death. A parent's job is to discipline their children, preparing them for the day when they're going to leave home, when they'll be independent, and they'll be now answering directly to God. That's, that's how Gloria and I understood our job as parents. We're teaching our kids when they're young. So that on that day, they leave home, they're gone. They'll continue to do the things that we taught them. The discipline they learned in our household will now become self-discipline. When they were young, we'd say, get out of bed. It's time to go to church. And do I have to? And yes, and I think I might have a headache. I don't know. I might. I, I thought I did. I, I, I th- get up and get ready for church. Okay, we'll get up. Now, Jesse been out of our house for a couple of years. He's in, he's in BC, or in uh, Alberta. And I'll talk to him in the course of the week. He'll tell me what church he went to. I don't need to phone him and say, are you up? Did you get out of bed? Is it time? Are you getting ready for church yet? I don't have to do that. Because I disciplined him as a child. So now he is self-disciplined and he goes to church on his own. I don't need to teach him that or tell him that anymore because the job's been done. A youngster's heart's filled with foolishness, but physical discipline will drive it far away. I'm going to tell you something. Parents, you need to have conversations with your kids. You need to teach them the importance of, of obeying God. And use yourself as an example. Talk to your kids about what you learned. And tell them, I want life to be better for you than it was for me. I know every parent here today wants life to be better for their children than it was for them. My dad always says that he is a better father than his father, and he wants me to be a better father than him. And I tell my kids the same thing, and I want my boys to be better father than I was. You see, we want it to get better and better, and the only way that's going to happen is if we discipline our kids to drive away that foolishness. So here's what we're going to just say in closing. King Solomon says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. How many have heard the expression garbage in, garbage out? You've heard this before. 
And this is exactly what King Solomon says. What goes into your heart, what you do with your heart is going to determine your whole life, the course of your whole life. The state of the heart is the root of outward action. This is why it's so important that you get to your kids to church every Sunday and that they don't ever miss. What are you doing? You're teaching them consistency. You're teaching them faithfulness. You're teaching them that, that, that going to church and having a walk with God is the most important thing in their life. What you're doing is you're teaching your kids to guard their hearts. Above all else, it's the most important thing. Some parents are, man, are, are diligent, making sure the kids don't miss their sports and their da- dance class and the chess club and the photograph club and on and on. But what about their hearts? The most important thing, the thing that's going to actually determine the outcome of their life. How many parents I've heard say to me, my biggest mistake is I didn't keep my kids faithfully in church, faithfully connected to God. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know, one of the things I appreciate so much about my dad is that when we were young, he wanted to know what was going on inside my heart. And if he saw I was a little bit moody, if he he thought I wasn't as, as jolly or joyful as I should be, he would ask, what's going on? My dad tells me when I was a little kid, they used to call me Smiley. I was always smiling and always happy. And then what happens? You grow up. <laughs> and things aren't so, so easy anymore. And next thing you know, you're struggling just like everybody else. And you face temptations. And you face heartache and difficulties. And my dad would see it. He'd see it. He'd be looking in my eyes and he'd see it. And he'd say, what's wrong? And I would say, exactly, nothing. Yes, there is, what's wrong? Nothing. No, no just tell me, just tell me. No, I'm, I'm fine. Let's go for a ride. Oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I got to sit. And he'd say, okay, tell me what's going on. No, nothing's going on. And I, you know, I, I consider myself to be pretty strong and pretty stubborn, but guess what? My dad's even stubborner. Is that a word? And he wouldn't give up. He would not give up until finally, 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 I would tell him what was in my heart. He would be like a Chinese torture, just drip, 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 until finally, I give, I'll tell everything. Thank you, Jesus, for a dad like that. Guard your heart above all else. Parents, guard your kids' hearts. Find out what's in their heart. Find out what's troubling them. Find out what's causing them to be moody, angry, what's causing them pain and suffering. Find out what's in their heart because it's going to determine the course of their life. How many of us look back to our childhood and we know that moment when things went bad for us And it meant that our whole lives were affected by that event. What a difference it would have made if somebody would have stepped up and said, what happened? What's wrong? What's wrong, dear? What's wrong, my son? This is your job, parents. 
Guard your parent. Guard your kids' hearts. Guard your grandparents. Grandparents, guard your kids, grandkids' hearts. Look into their eyes. Look into their into their eyes, the windows of their soul, and look to see what's going on there. If they're moody, if they're acting strange, if they're not if they're not acting normal, if they're not happy, find out what's going on. Because what's happening in the heart will determine the course of their whole life. And some of you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. Even as you're sitting here right now, you think, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. That's why I'm in the mess I'm in. That's why I got problems in my marriage. That's why I have problems, that's why I have problems with my relationships. That's why I don't get along with, with people. That's why I struggle. We've got to get our hearts sorted out. We've got to learn what it means, once again, to start obeying God. And parents, it's your job to teach your kids what that means. Would you stand with me, please?